It's a long way home from here I won't be back in a year Cause all the fallen leaves, the birds, the breeze Capture me again And all the lies you tell someone else Sure could use a friend well, Welcome in, uh, and thanks for joining us on what we hope turns into some type of recurring uh, series from us here at Seawell Canada. Uh, we look to take a deeper dive into the world of work integrated learning or will for, uh, for those of us in the space that like to use acronyms. Uh, my name is Dan Lonergan. I'm the Associate Director of Partnerships with Seawell Canada. I've been in the will space for about five years. Um, I really like meeting new people, learning new things, talking uh, and talking to people. So it kind of made sense. Well, what if we start some type of show or a podcast and we talk about things we talk about work integrated learning and, and everything that comes with it um will in and of itself it's it's not a new concept it's it's been around you know with Cole bringing it kind of out through experiential theory in the 80s and he drew on every every scholar in the 20th century uh but lately it's evolved it's become more more prominent uh more discussed terminology has changed uh, and it's grown into something bigger um, and there's a lot of language out there that, that can be confusing at times. So before we kind of, you know, go on with this program and dive into all the different types of will that might be happening across the country, we thought maybe we should actually take a step back and talk about, well, what is work integrated learning or what is will, who's involved and what it means for everyone. So I'm very excited to be joined today by two outstanding guests, uh, both from the will space. First up, she's the past president of the World Association of Cooperative and Work Integrated Education and former vice provost of students at Simon Fraser University in British Columbia, who now spends her time consulting, researching, and publishing in the wheel field. Dr. Nancy Johnson joins us. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you. And he's a faculty relations manager in co-op and experiential education at the University of Waterloo. He's also served as the inaugural president of the work Integrated Learning Ontario, Experiential and Work Integrated Learning Ontario, uh, and as the current chair of Seawills Accreditation Council, Scott Davis joins us today. Welcome, Scott. Thanks very much, Dan. Nice to see you both. So thanks both for joining us uh, and, you know, uh, generously offering your time to, to talk through this today and, and just talk in general. So let's have a conversation about Will. Let's get right into it. And Scott, I'm going to start with you. So you're you're the Seawill rep, you're the Seawill guy on the call. Uh, and so for those that are listening that maybe, you know, have no context for who Seawill is, what they do, uh, can you give us the Coles Notes version on Seawill? Yeah, you bet. Uh, actually inaugurated back in 1973 as CAFKI, the Canadian Association for Cooperative Education. Uh, and we've now morphed into 2017 where we became Cooperative Education and Work Integrated Learning Canada using the acronym CWIL. Uh, we are a volunteer-run national association that's made up literally hundreds of thousands of hours of experience from WILL practitioners in post-secondary institutions across Canada, as well as we have employer members that are part of our, our group as well. We, our mission, if you, if you want to say the mission specifically is to build capacity for developing future ready students and graduates through quality work integrated learning. These members work with students across the country and the pool of talent that they bring combined with those employer members 
we allow allows us to partner quite readily with post-secondary institutions, community members, employers, government agencies, and the students themselves to champion work integrated learning or will, as you mentioned earlier, we, we affectionately refer to as will across Canada. We've partnered with a diverse variety of stakeholders to provide resources that promote the highest quality in post-secondary work integrated learning. And that's achieved through establishing things like national standards that are grounded in research-based rationale, promoting the value of post-secondary work integrated learning and delivering opportunities for learning through the sharing of best practices. I've mentioned Will several times, and so I think I probably better define it so it's just clear exactly what Will is. And it is a form of curricular experiential education that formally integrates a student's academic studies with quality experiences within a workplace or practice setting. Will experiences include an engaged partnership of at least an academic institution, a host operation, and a student. Will can occur for the course or program level and includes the development of student learning objectives or outcomes related to employability, personal agency, knowledge and skill mobility, and lifelong learning. You may recall that I mentioned earlier there's nine forms of will, and I'm purposely not listing them now because it matters less what form of will is chosen and more that a meaningful experience is provided for the student in whatever will format works best for the stakeholders involved. So like I mentioned off, off the top, it's evolved, right? You mentioned kind of where, where Seawill came from, where it is today. Uh, you mentioned things like nine different types of will, quality, stakeholders. There's a lot at play there. So if we dig into that like a little bit more, what what is quality work integrated learning, quality will, and how do these stakeholders connect? Like how are they interconnected in this in this space? Well, quality will involves meeting uh, established standards uh, and where uh, CWIL Canada is well known in the space from a cooperative education point of view with a long established accreditation council and our quality improvement council members are currently working at developing quality frameworks for the other forms of will so that there are guidelines and benchmarks and measurables that institutions can use when they're developing their programming. There are definitions for people to follow. There are program development guides that help institutions develop the quality programming that they'd like to implement. And those are all available, as I mentioned, in terms of sharing best practices, those are all available for our members. So Nancy, then I, I look at you as, you know, the academic and the, and the research side. If, you know, we talk about quality will and, and course-based curriculum, can I ask the question then, then what isn't work integrated learning in, in your eyes or in your opinion then? Yeah, I'm happy to answer that or give it a go. Um, I mean, this all sound, can sound so complicated because what is and what isn't will depends on who you are as the stakeholder, really. And um, I mean, Scott has nicely outlined sort of what the professional body has said sort of falls under the bailiwick, but essentially it's a learning model. 
for a learner, a student in this case, it's part of a post-secondary um, academic experience that allows them to develop new skills and knowledge and apply skills and knowledge that they learned in their classroom in a workplace environment. That's what Will is. It isn't take your kid to work day. It's not about observation. It's about deep immersion, genuine, authentic engagement. It isn't cheap labor. It isn't a way for the marketplace to get their hands on talented, smart, motivated university students and college students who, but, but not pay them. It's, it's a legitimate partnership between an institution, a student, as Scott said, and a, a host, an employer host, whereby learning is the main important outcome for the learner and for the institution, and where talent identification and early access to really bright, motivated young people in particular sectors is probably the primary motivation for an employer. So what will is and isn't it is probably debatable depending the lens that you're looking through, but I think we can all agree it's an academic learning model that benefits each of the stakeholders in different ways. And and I get the sense then from from a stakeholder point of view, if you know if they come forward with a purpose or a, or a need, then that's that's kind of what can drive will. Um, and the relationship and the partnerships probably that form from, you know, once you start that the first time and then as it evolves and as it grows with a post-secondary institution, you know, over the years, Scott, from your experience working, you know, you're, you're a faculty relation manager working a lot with industry. What, where do you see this purpose, you know, from industry side coming and, and approaching an institution and, and starting to form a relationship that way? Where, what is the purpose of will then in that, in that regard? I think Nancy hit the nail right on the head in her previous comments, and from my perspective, it's talent identification and acquisition. And it really doesn't matter the form of will that you're using, but it's the ability for students and employers to connect with one another, to, to get that deep learning and to get to experience the opportunity uh, to be in a, a practice setting whether it's in a, a public company, a private company, whether it's a small startup, whether it's a giant corporation, whether the student is working on a specific individual task or a research type of engagement, or whether they're out in the field doing actual applied uh, activities and from that perspective, it's really the opportunity for community partners to identify talented individuals whom they may wish to recruit in a full-time capacity when that student finishes their studies. And, and I think that's the key point there, Scott, if I, I can underscore it. Um, yeah, it is talent ID. Sometimes it's about getting your hands on talented, motivated students uh, to fill a, a gap in your workforce or to work on a particular project for shorter periods of time because these students are in and out of these workplaces every four eight months or 12 months That's right. um, but mostly it, it's a recruitment motivation and the ability to, to test drive really we've often said um, potential future employees the lucky thing is even though from a student's vantage point we like to think that education is the focus and that it's a learning model and we're really focusing on learning outcomes most students engage in will in order to facilitate their transitions to the workforce. So their alignment is about employability. So they're much more closely aligned in general 
than with employers, then they might even be with their own institution. And so that's kind of good. Uh, most of the students that undertake a will will say, yeah, I'm doing it so that I can get a job more easily, so I can get a higher paying job, so that I know what jobs I like. Um, and so those those uh, purposes are, are quite aligned, I think, between the student and the, in, in the uh, employer host because they're around employability. But where the institution kind of takes a different take on it is this notion of making it an educational model. And so there's accountability here about learning outcomes, make sure that the students are, are still seen as learners. Yes, they're full-time employees, but they're seen as learners. And so there's supports in place. It, it provides a really neat opportunity for those employer hosts to talk to higher ed institutions and talk to them and give them feedback about their curriculum and their offerings and things they see that are working and things they would like to see perhaps done differently. And that's always been a complaint that higher ed operates over here and it's ivory tower and in business and industry and community operates over here and never the twain shall meet. So this model, these models of work integrated learning do provide many bridges for conversation, for talent ID, for stopgap measures and for clarifying people's needs. Students at the end of the day end up determining whether this is what I even want to be studying and whether if I'm studying this, in what kind of sector, workplace, size of business would I like to be uh, working once I complete my credential? Yeah, that's a really great point, Nancy. The whole idea of test driving, not only for employers who are test driving potential future employees, but students who are test driving potential careers, workplace opportunities, and employers themselves. It's a bit of an assessment from both directions, and it really is a very dynamic, very powerful combination. So I want to I want to circle back, Nancy, to a point you made about, you know, connecting with institutions and, and the challenges that have presented historically with with external stakeholders and um, from my my work in will and, and kind of you know navigating more than one will type I, I, I've come to learn that partners can take on many different roles you know historically you think it's supervisor and that's the role they take and they take on a student and that's it but you know you see things more along the lines now of mentorship um, or, or more of a strategic partner depending on the will type uh, and and you see how the students engage with with that and depending on which will type that they're they're engaging with in their course um i guess scott in in your work again with with industry and with partners in, in building these relationships in different capacities how critical is that to 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 will and and as a component as opposed to it being kind of you know more transactional of i take my student thank you very much and and that's kind of the end of it well, I think the relationship management and relationship building is the really critical piece. The, we think of our community partners, employers, organizations, however you'd like to think of them. We think of them as co-educators. Nancy mentioned a little bit earlier about the mentorship. This is not slave labor. This is not just come in and do the job and don't engage at all. This is about coaching and mentoring, developing talent. Because if you're really developing and, and identifying or filling your talent pipeline, you need to be filling that with people that you feel are going to be engaged and be able to contribute and add value to your organization. And so the coaching, the mentoring, the supervising all fits together in terms of the relationship that institutions build with their employer partners. So we're, we're constantly engaging with them. We ask our employer partners to 
provide us with job descriptions that we have an opportunity to vet to ensure that they're going to be providing the kind of work experiences that we think are worthwhile for our students. We ask our employers to submit evaluations of the students at the end of the work term so that they're actually engaged in that process itself, that reflection and evaluation of the student's performance over the course of their work term. That helps the student learn where they're where they're showing areas of strength and where they're developing competencies. It also helps to identify where they can work on improving and, and starting to find new competencies that they can develop. And it gives the employer then feedback from the student as well on things that were going well in the workplace. And employers have learned some valuable lessons from our students on ways that they can adjust their own practices, their own management techniques, their own business and product lines because of the feedback and the interaction they've had from our students. And that's a really good point, Scott, I just want to follow up with, and that's what the students bring. And it isn't always the most cutting edge of knowledge or skills, perhaps, although sometimes it is, um, but it's an energy and an enthusiasm and a learning orientation quite often. And I've heard over the years, many, many <laughs> employers say, we love having uh, the co-op students in this case, uh, come into our workplace, it brings a breath of energy. It actually invigorates our current employees and particularly in the SMEs, the small and medium sized enterprises where you don't get that breadth of scope of, of uh, different of variety and diversity in age sometimes or even in backgrounds. And so a lot of employers find that in addition to obviously to the productivity they get from the students, there's an energy and a, a freshness that is brought in through this young more keen new lens and a lot of employers report that it kind of lifts everybody up in the workplace to a new level. And and I think you see that across, you know, all all forms of will, you know, regardless of, of the type and the specific title or the way that it, you know, appears on paper that you never really know until you until you go down this path as a partner what you might what you might get when you you work with students or when you take on students. Um, I guess going back to the institution and, and Scott, you did a really, you know, articulate job of explaining your role and, and the way that you coexist with external and internal stakeholders. Nancy, as a, a former senior admin uh, at, you know, at Simon Fraser, how do you view the role of the institution when it comes to will? Well, let me let me start, Dan, with saying that I actually think will brings a, more to the institution than the institution brings to will. Um, and, and I mean that in the sense that, yeah, it is that bridge, but there's a lot that is being done for the institution in terms of helping it meet its stated goals and objectives. Most of our institutions right down to the program level are accredited and most of them now have learning outcomes related to demonstration of skills and applied and applied knowledge in the area that is being accredited. So they want evidence that students can actually do, not just know about, but know how to. And that's a little bit of a shift from the old uh, school university. It's certainly always been that space in college and technical institutes and polytechs, but it's really brought some of the more traditional universities into the place of, of uh, applied research, applied knowledge, and that's a really neat. And you see these will programs proliferating and serving a really important function on helping other academic plans at the university meet their goals, helping accreditation goals that are stated that the university is trying to seek be reached. And they cite, well, that happens through our service learning program. Oh, yes, we absolutely uh, 
work on social responsibility through our business programs and, and we also work on employability through our cooperative education programs and here's what they do and here are the stats. So they provide data, they provide evidence through the uh, sort of feedback mechanisms that Scott was talking about earlier, basic things like employer feedback forms, employer assessments. Most institutions have some form of employer advisory panel that gets to speak to the institution on a regular basis. And so I do think that will programs provide that real life, I hate to say it because there's real life happens in academia, but real life link back to the place where the majority of their students are going to graduate and hopefully contribute to when they leave. The institution, of course, just provides that, that, that learning focus and the framework uh, that focuses also on quality and accountability. And it also obviously provides in Canada fantastic quality program delivery at the academic level. We can all feel very confident. We're lucky in Canada. Our post-secondary institutes are, are, are uh, almost all quality and, and, uh, and a high quality of education. So we can be confident, those of us in the will space, that when we put a student out, with Biology 101 or Engineering 224, that they are going out with a very solid set of knowledge and, and rudimentary understandings at the level commensurate with whatever course it is. So uh, obviously the institutions provide a lot, but it is a two-way street. Yeah, you know, two-way street is exactly right, Nancy, because the students also bring skills and experiences and feedback back into the classroom and that's that really great two-way street so it, it is a learning model as you mentioned earlier and our institutions and our faculty members our instructors our, our teachers learn from the students as well and the students learn from one another there's a lot of peer support that goes on there's a lot of peer coaching and all of those things make for a more robust healthy, really dynamic learning environment. Have you not heard Scott and Dan uh, Prof say to you, I can spot the co-op students in my class. They always ask the best questions or they bring a story to a concept yeah. that they're teaching that brings that concept to life. And uh, yeah, exactly. so they do bring a lot. Yeah, and, and and I've seen it in talking to, you know, to industry partners that, that I've worked with in terms of students who, who have multiple types of will in their back pocket so yeah, maybe maybe they're a co-op student but they've also been exposed to service learning or applied research and and the commentary in terms of things like interview skills and confidence and uh, you know ability to articulate their skills and their capabilities is just it's different like they, they said it, like they they came across not knowing you know the background of, of this student or of these students until you get into that conversation but we've seen it firsthand that getting exposed to these multiple types does have direct tangible benefits to things like interview skills and obtaining, you know, entry level positions right out of uh, right from graduation. So I want to I want to come back to the to these types. And, and we you know, we've talked about it a couple of times. And then Scott, you mentioned it off the top about, you know, nine types. So there and from my my work and, and what I've seen at schools, there's a lot of language out there. Um, and I think schools, you know, schools will define will as it suits their needs. And I think I think they're good for doing that because you should take a look internally to your campus and, and figure out, well, how does this make sense for us? And I know Seawell has kind of the guiding nine. So I guess from your experience going through that, Scott, why why nine? Like why the multiple types? 
what what did it allow you know schools to to bring as far as input but also allow Seawolf to do I think it was the way the best way in which to encompass the practices that were already ongoing and to put them into categories if you will that are recognizable that are able to be defined and that are able to be measured so that as i mentioned earlier our quality improvement council can begin to develop the necessary quality frameworks so you think of things like practicums and apprenticeships and entrepreneurship and um, cooperative education which we've talked uh, about quite a bit that those are the those are the buckets that Seawill Canada has decided to use as categories for these many different forms of experiential education that have been happening for, in some cases, hundreds of years. You know, you go back to apprenticing. I mean, you, you can think of how long that apprenticing has been going on. And so by identifying and, and naming these particular groupings of activities it really helps us to define for the purposes of education for the purposes of accreditation as nancy mentioned a few minutes ago really helps us better categorize and define and then develop quality frameworks for these groupings of work integrated learning activities that we've identified and, and i don't think there's any magic number why nine because eight wasn't enough and ten was too many you know, it, yeah, it, exactly. it's fairly arbitrary, and this was a an Canadian association doing it for what we found in the Canadian space, and we're trying not to complexify something that is kind of basic, an institution, a student, an employer, let's all learn and have some mutual benefits from it. They all yeah. share that core. All nine, all 21, all 52, doesn't matter. All will share a core, and that's what the Quality Council of Seawill will be looking at is, for these to be quality, what do they have at their core that are attributes of quality work, integrated learning? And then what specialty bits do they have um, that define them slightly differently? You know, why is how is service learning slightly different than cooperative education? Because couldn't both people be working for a not-for-profit and both people develop, be developing a global, you know, community assets and so on? The answer is yes, but there's some fundamental differences on their primary purposes. So that we'll be focusing on, on those, but you can get, you can get quite tangled in this uh, name game, um, certainly at the provincial level, at the national level, and quite frankly, internationally. Yeah. And I think that's where language you know, can can become a, a barrier and it can add complexity to it, especially if you're a first time partner, you know, in, in like you mentioned, small, medium size businesses and enterprises who maybe maybe you've never partnered with an institution before, or maybe you've historically just taken a co-op student and that's that's what you're comfortable with, but you're just not aware of other opportunities. So I, I think I want to end on on this piece. And I know we've talked about it previously and in, like independently and, and collectively as a group, but if I'm a potential partner sitting at whatever my, my desk resembles these days, what what's the first step? Like, is it is it trying to identify a need? Is it picking up the phone? You know, Nancy, what, what do you suggest if, if I'm a partner out there that just isn't sure what I can do? Yeah, I, I think you you hit on it in in the uh, in both cases, identifying a need and picking up the phone. Uh, if anyone ever picks up a phone to actually make a phone call anymore, <laughs> anymore, uh, but exactly. uh, no, they probably don't. Uh, but um, I think the real difference is, like I said, all of those model types 
they share a common thread. So how would I know which one to go to? And it's because at the edges of them, they're different in certain ways around their primary purpose. So I would suggest to an employer, why do you want this person? Is it a long-term talent ID strategy? That's your primary purpose. You want to get your hands on it. Is it that you need 20 animators real quick because you've got a project that needs to be done and so you have a short-term labor need is that your primary purpose is it because you know that you have some monies that you want to dedicate towards this and you can afford salaried people on full-time secondments for four eight or twelve months well then i'm going to go to co-op or is it because you just want to get to know your local institution better be an active participant and a co-educator and so are willing to take on students in a variety of capacities and so once you know what is driving your needs and you have an understanding of what you would like done, what would make you happy at the end of this four, eight or 12 month experience, then I would try and contact one of the Seawill institutions that's a member of Seawill Canada who understand quality work integrated learning and talk to them about your needs. And they may call something service learning at their place, which at the place down the road might be called a practica. And they may look very similar to the employer. And I don't wish for employers to get confused or complicated or even worry about the naming. Let's just make sure their needs are met and that you get put onto the form of will that best meets your needs and best meets the students' needs from a quality perspective. What, what do you think, uh, Scott? Oh, I, I think that's exactly right, Nancy. You know, we think of pain points. So it, it's all about conversation. If you have a pain point as an employer, you can't get work done. Nancy, you mentioned short-term needs. You need 24 animators right off the bat. If you've got a pain point and you want to get a hold of quality individuals, reach out to a local institution, an institution that you maybe know because you're an alum. Maybe you have colleagues in the business who have recruited from a school and, and you trust their judgment. But it is about conversation. At some point, you're going to have to pick up a phone or be on a team's call or engaging in person when we can actually get back to that particular form of relationship building and then have that deep conversation about what it is that you're looking for and, and what can the school help provide through the basic forms that they that they have available at their school. And you're right, Nancy, it doesn't matter what we call it, figure out what's the best fit for you as an employer. Yeah. And then we want to align you with the best fit of student. We don't want you to be looking for student X at, at school Y if school Y doesn't teach the program that school at, or that student X would need to have that skill set. So we would try and work collaboratively within the industry as well. And that's a, a really I, I should say this and I hadn't thought of it before, but this is a real strength of Seawill Canada is that we collaborate very well with one another as institutions, even though some might think of it as being a competitive environment because we all have students that we're trying to find employment for or a service learning uh, engagement for. But we also collaborate really well because we're in the business of helping people learn and maximizing the opportunities for them to learn and grow and develop talents that they're sort of future ready for their own full-time jump into the workforce. And, and Dan, there's a tool, right, that I think CWIL will be uh, working on and available to employers that at least shows where the CWIL institutions are located geographically, what maybe what programs they offer, because sometimes you know, I need an engineer, but sometimes you might find your engineer, 
you know, doing a second degree in communications. So it's never quite that linear. But I believe you're working, you guys are working on something that a, a, should be a little help, a wayfinder, if you will. Yeah, yeah, there's lots more information on, on the Seawell Canada uh, website, seawellcanada.ca. Uh, there's resources currently there. There's some in development for every stakeholder group. So whether you're, you know, an institution, a practitioner, and and or even a community partner, for for all types of will, uh, you, we have a directory of of members and, and opportunities that's underway. So that you know, when somebody is sitting out there and they're ready to pick up the phone and ask those questions, if they're not well established with an institution down the road or the one closest to them, or they're just curious to know what else is out there. Uh, it's a good starting place. And then, you know, then you connect directly with the institutions as you both, you know, articulated. That's where you can get into the details of, well, here's what I need. What do you have? Um, and then you you make those relationships with those schools and with those departments and you take it from there. Um, and I think if you've traditionally engaged with one type of will, you don't be afraid to to branch out and, and try some others and see how else you can connect with student talent uh, and I think that, you know, the points that both of you made in terms of this relationship and, and engagement between student institution and partner uh, is incredibly valuable. And I just want to thank you both for taking the time to lend your expertise um, and thank you for the work that you both do in this field. It's, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, and so, yeah, I just want to thank both of you again, Dr. Nancy Johnson and Scott Davis. Um, I'm not exactly sure what type of recurring schedule this this show or, or whatever this becomes will will turn into, uh, but I'm confident it's not going to be the last time that we talk about work integrated learning. Uh, so until whatever the next time that looks like, uh, take care of yourselves and uh, thank you both again for joining me today. My pleasure, Dan. Great to see you both. Thank you, Dan, and thank you, C. Will, for uh, this little opportunity to share a bit more. Absolutely. Won't be back in a year Cause all the fallen leaves, the birds, the breeze Capture me again And all the lies you tell someone else Sure could use a friend